0: this ministry. This is made possible by other people's generosity and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Welcome. If you are a guest, I am the pastor of Mosaic Church. It is not an Easter bunny. It's not. We like to have some fun here, so we're just glad that you're joining us. And, uh, man, I'm pumped about this whole Easter season. I uh, truly am. Because Palm Sunday, we're going to kick off with having in-person services. Yes, that means next weekend, Palm Sunday, we'll have in-person services. Obviously, we'll be online as well, but I'm looking forward to that. And then we're going to do Good Friday. Yes, Good Friday service here. And then Easter. Easter is going to be outside. We're pumped about that. And the, uh, let me just tell you, it's been a year. It's been a year since we've met together. And I'm kind of really excited about um, getting together. And I know there are people that you should actually invite on Easter. And then hopefully we'll start meeting in person from then on because we're praying. We are praying, 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 praying uh, that the COVID numbers will go down and the vaccination numbers will go up. So that's our prayer. That's our hope. But let's jump into today. We are part two in our series. We started last week called Reclaim, in which we talked about how the stories of our lives actually determine the direction of our lives. So the stories and the narratives uh, determine our path and our direction in our lives. And I asked you to consider re- claiming that, like rewriting that, because if you find yourself in a place going, I'm not quite sure if I like where I'm at or the direction of my life, it's connected to what you've been saying um, and what you've been talking about and the story you've been telling yourself. And if you don't like where you're headed spiritually, again, it's connected to what you're telling yourself about God. And so we need to reclaim that. Now, if you missed the message, you can go back and check it out. But this is week two. So what I want to talk about is what does that look like? If we're going to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus, if you are going to rewrite and reclaim your relationship with God and your relationship with the church, in a sense, what does that look like? What does that even mean? And so I want to jump in and answer that question. So if you got your Bibles, uh, grab those, because I want to talk about this passage that has really transformed us as a church, and in fact has given us the blueprint of what we need to be as a church, like what we see. Like if we're going to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus, what does that look like? Well, it's in this passage right here. It's actually a letter. So it's 1 Thessalonians, first. Thessalonians. Thessalonians. It's a letter written by Paul. Again, it is a letter, and it's kind of interesting because this letter, in context, is written to a church that he, with the help of Silas and uh, Timothy... Help plant. But he, when he went to Thessalonica, the, the town, he got, um, he got a lot of pushback. I mean, he started the church, but then he actually got imprisoned, and then he was kicked out. And anyways, this letter is when he finds out that the church that he started is doing great. And so he writes them a letter and on, on behalf of himself and also Timothy and Silas. So just, let's just jump in. 1 Thessalonians, verse 1, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy... He's mentioning them. And he says, to the church of Thessalonia in God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Now, right here, right here, when he's writing this, in this passage, I want to tell you that this is, this, this shapes so much of who we are. You're thinking, what? You just read the opening to the letter that was not even written for you. I I, I know, I know. But he writes to a, the church in Thessalonians. Now, w- why is that so important? It's so important. It's because he's writing to a, a diverse community. Yes, it's a diverse community. Jew, Jew, he, the, this is in Greece. It's modern-day Greece here. And he's a Jewish guy born and raised in Israel, and I mean, in, in, in Jerusalem. And so he's... Re- talking to a very diverse group of people. And right here, I want to let you know that that's why we get our vision from here. Now, if you've ever heard our vision, it's this. We want to be, what we see, is that we see a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. A diverse community. It starts with that for us. And that's what, and why? Because we believe that's where it starts in reclaiming the message and the movement of Jesus. They were intentionally diverse. Paul is a guy who went out from his group and went into the Gentile world. And because he was like, he was convinced that if there was going to be a movement, the church, it had to be diverse. And so let me just tell you again, what we see as a church is to be part of a diverse, diverse community. And the truth is, is you and I, you and I, he need to understand why it's so important for us to be a part of a diverse community, to be a part of that, because it's so easy for us to live our lives, our spiritual lives uh, as individuals. So you can reclaim the, your, the message and the movement of Jesus individually for yourself, as in you can reclaim the message or the, your relationship with God um, by yourself But it looks very different when you're a part of something. See, what God is calling you and I to do is not do Jesus and not do uh, spirituality, uh, especially your walk with Christ alone. You're supposed to be part of a community. We have to learn to grow together because we are in this together. So let's just jump in, right? Let's actually just continue. It says we are what? We are a diverse community. He was talking to a diverse community. And again, I, I mean, I don't want to harp on this, but I, I, gotta, I got to, I got to. Because a lot of churches love the idea of diversity, but they're not really diverse. I mean, honestly, if you go to any website right now and, um, of a modern church, even in Charlotte, you'll see phrases like, you belong here, or welcome home. People have bumper stickers, they're holding signs. Welcome home, you're home, you're home, you're home. And I think that's really beautiful. But when you think about it, I'm not quite sure if the word belong actually means you need to fit in. Because I know they're trying to make like Jesus communities, but it seems like sometimes it's more like homogeneous communities. It's like everybody says the same or everybody is the same. You can belong because you need to fit in. And see here, right here, it's extremely different. It's different. Yes, fitting in and belonging are two different things. See, fitting in means you change to what? Fit in. Belonging means you just belong because you're just family. It's like your family, and you know what I'm talking about, that don't really fit your family, right? That's why we have the term black sheep. Why? Because they belong regardless. They always belong. See, that's what I think God's trying to get us into. And that's why for us, it starts with being a diverse community. Diverse community. See, with us, you don't have to be like us to be with us. That is the big difference. We are choosing. We're choosing to belong to each other and with each other, though we don't look like each other or act like each other. Because sometimes, I just want to say this, and I'll get off of this, sometimes um, in, when churches try to grow together and form communities, what they're really actually doing is, uh, creating a community that people conform to. And we, friends, are not the church, a, a club to conform to. We are an agent of change that transforms the world. It's two different things. And so we, in the beginning, from the start, we want to be a diverse community. Why? Because we are change agents of transformation in this world. And if, and if, if you just look around, I mean, the conversation we're having about prejudice, about hate crimes right now in our country, in this U.S., if you're international, I don't know what the world looks like for you, but in our context here, we are the answer to this. We have to choose to be a diverse community, and you and I have to, in, in our growth spiritually, have to have to choose to be a part of a diverse community. That's where we become more like Jesus, friends. Now, I obviously, obviously, obviously um, spent a lot of time on this. So let's jump in. Verse 2. We always, he says, we always thank God for you uh, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he continues. He says, hey, I'm so excited. We send you grace and peace. But let I'm, me I'm just tell you, we've been talking about you. We've been thinking about you. And I really love the fact that you're doing these three major things. You're, you're living out faith, hope, and love. Yeah, we talk about your labor that you pro- that's prompted by love, your your uh, your work that's produced by faith, your 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 endurance that you keep on going in the midst of all kinds of things because of hope. We love this. Then he goes on. He says, "For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you." He says, basically, he says you have you have a mission. He says because of uh, because of our gospel, our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power. And with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And what is he saying here? He's saying, "Hey, what you heard, you're putting into practice, and it's gone. It's gone deep with you." Again, he's talking to not a person; he's talking to a group of people. He's talking to a church. And I know this is not to us, but I can't help it. Feel like this is for us, and in fact, this passage has been the the. the the inspiration for our vision, right? He keeps on going. He says this. He says, You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became the, what, model. He said you became model to all the believers in Macedonia, and a, calle. he says. And the Lord's message ran out uh, from you not only in Macedonia, but in but also in Achae. Your faith, he says, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Do you see why I'm so? Um, I don't know, caught up in this passage being the blueprint for the community that we're trying to build, the, the, the blueprint for the vision that we have, is because right here Paul is saying, let me just tell you, you guys are getting it right. You guys are getting it right. You, you, guys, are it right. Uh, you guys are being a model uh, to what the church needs to look like. I'm so excited about you guys. You, you, and, and you guys have imitated us and people need to imitate you. And guess what? Because of what you are doing, you are being known everywhere. People are talking about you. See, the reason why I'm so pumped about that is because if, if he's talking to a group of people that got it right, if he's talking about a church that got it right, we have to model that church. So if you haven't put it together, that's why our vision states we want to be what a diverse community that lives by faith. You know why? Because right here, what does he say? He said... Um, we remember your work's produced by faith. So we say we want to live by faith. When he says your labor prompted by love, guess what we say in our modern context. We say we want to be what? Known by love. And when he says we and your endurance inspired by hope, we say we are a voice of hope. And so that is why. That is why it is so important for us to be a community, uh, a church that's diverse and that's known for three things that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. Now, you need to know this as a person who maybe you just joined us during this quarantine time. Like we haven't physically met. Um, and maybe we've not been in a service together. But if you want to know what we're about and where we're going, this is where we're going. And this is what we see. We see not just people, uh, individual Christians living out their faith. No, we, we see people coming together and living this out. Again, I have mentioned this before. I'll say it again. Uh, If you've ever, have you ever had a family get together and you had the conversation, okay, this is how we're going to behave now. Have you ever had that conversation with anyone? Like, this is where we're going to behave. This is what we're going to do. Okay? Like, we're all in agreement. This is how we're going to be together. You see, Christianity is not supposed to be lived out in isolation. And the movement of Jesus grows stronger when people actually come together in community. So you might know, and I might know how to be a good Christian in a sense, or a loving Christian uh, by ourselves. But what does you and I coming together look like? This is why vision is so important. This is what he's saying. He said, when you guys come together, not by yourself, by yourself you can... can, um, uh, you can do the whole you can focus on the nine fruits of the spirit that we spend nine weeks on, friends. You can do that. but when you come together, when you move together as a group, I don't know why I'm doing this, but as you move together, you move, man, by living by faith, by being people who are known by love, people who are a voice of hope. Again, this is about us being together and living together. And again, what are we doing here? We are reclaiming the movement, the church of Jesus. That's why I'm so pumped about it. All right, so what does it look like? So when you and I come together and live together as a church, we, we live by faith. So let's talk about, what does that mean? Well, live by faith. Number one, it means a live a life of gratitude. Understand that it's not about servitude, as in we live a life um, of gratitude because we are grateful that God has done so many things, and so we do good things. We, all the things we do, honestly, is supposed to be a, an appreciation of what God has done for us. So when we give mercy and we are generous because God's been merciful and generous to us, when we are kind because God's been kind to us, when we forgive because God has been for, uh, has extended forgiveness to us, we do this in appreciation. So life, li- living by faith means you live a life that says, hey, uh, I, I want to live a life that just says, thank you. Thank you. That's what it means by living by faith. But not just that. Living by faith also means you live a life of spiritual curiosity. Y- you do. Like you realize, and I realize, we don't know everything. Did you know that? We don't know everything. And, and I, I, can't, I can't understand it. Somehow, sometimes you see people who have been walking with God, in a sense, or they've, they've been followers of Jesus, and they're just so stuck in their ways. Do you know people like that? Do you know churches like that? And it baffles me. I'm like, how do you live by faith, being stuck in a faith, uh, just satisfied with how much you know about the Scriptures? How is that possible? I mean, for me, I'm like, no, no, living by faith means I'm spiritually curious. I want to know more because I know that I, there's so much more I do not know, I do not understand, and I'm continually learning the Scriptures, finding what they mean. I'm not scared about the, the Scriptures. I'm not finding, I'm not scared about what it, what it could mean. And if, if we're having new discoveries about the Scriptures and, and the authors and what they mean and translations, we are all looking forward to that. That's what... Living a life of faith means, friends, also living a life of faith means you live a life of risk. Yes, that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in places of ambiguity and and uncertainty. Because that's what he did with Jesus. But he wants to do that with you. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And again, I don't know what it is, but we miss this. We miss this because what we want is we want a Jesus that allows us to be extremely certain about everything. And so we want Jesus to actually put us in a box. And that is not the relationship that God wants to have with you. As soon as you let the Holy Spirit in, He begins to change everything about you. And He begins to lead you in so many different ways. Why? Because that's what living a life of uh, faith looks like it's a life of risk where you you step into things and and you move out of this idea of being good little christians that's what jesus did he he forced these, these these disciples to step out of this good little jews and reframe their relationship with god see i think what it is 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 that we forget that there's a difference about belief and faith See, when we think of living a life of faith, we think, oh, belief. And there is a big difference. See, belief requires no risk. It doesn't. Now faith, now faith requires all that you have. Because you know why? Because faith is actually how to believe. It, 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 not what to believe. Faith is, is, is actually how to believe. It, it's different than belief. Faith requires that you intentionally move into the invisible, into dark places, that you take a step of faith. It's just so sad to me that I know some Christians who would rather spend their life singing songs against fear more than actually living out their faith with risk. Did you hear that? I mean, I'm baffled with that. I'm baffled with that. Like, that's what God wants us to do. Not sing more songs against fear. No. Live more with faith out there. Living it out. So, we as a community are choosing. That's what we're doing. When we come together, we live out our faith. Now, let's go to the next one. Next one is, obviously, being known by love. Man, being known by love. What does that look like? Well, last year I finished a book um, called The Color of Compromise. And my wife, Ashley, uh, actually, maybe I should call her Pastor Ashley. Actually, that's what I call her at home. Pastor. Actually, I don't. I don't call her that. I don't call her that. Anyways, well, she was on Morning Breath, which is a um, devotional live... um, uh, Instagram live thing that we do and Facebook thing we do on Monday Wednesdays and Fridays at nine o'clock. You should join, jump on there. And there's small little devotionals. Anyway, she talked about this, and you know what's really awesome? There were so many, so much great feedback. But what she was talking about was this idea of that there is, there is, a, there are some certain issues, some flaws in the church, and we have to address them. And you know what's interesting about it is that um, when we when we start talking about these things, and we talking about this book called *The Color of Compromise*, it talks about the church's role in um, um, you know in prejudice, uh, in 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 compromise, and in complicitness of the racial tension that's happening here. Like basically. The book does a great job talking about how the church, when it had a moment to step out and live out and be known for something, they chose to be silent and not be known for love. And I got it. I mean, I, I, I was talking to Ashley about this, and I'm like, why do people not talk about this? Because The Color of Compromise, that book, it actually got a Netflix, Netflix special on it. I mean, like the world was talking about this book, but churches were not talking about it. I know why, because it tells us, it reminds us, of our flaws. And we don't like talking about our flaws. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know what, it's just like my kids. Like, I love my kids. I love my kids. Okay? But I don't like other people talking bad about my kids. How about you? I mean, other people talk bad about your kids, but I don't want, and we don't want, the other people talking about our kids. Like, we will do whatever, we'll say it. But at some point, we got to face our, face the fact that, you know what, our kids or might be brats. And we got to address it, right? I mean, it's poor parenting when you don't address the fact that maybe your kids are misbehaving. See, being known by love means we have the courage to stand there as Jesus tells us, hey, I love you, but you're not being known for love. I love you, but you're not doing loving things. We face it. We face the facts here. Man, Jesus called up and called out people uh, because when they didn't love. In fact, in Luke, he's, uh, t- he's giving a talk, and he says this. You, have you heard this before? He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? And then he says this, even sinners love those who love them. Now, if you've heard this, you probably thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get what he's saying here. But I mean, no, 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 there's something deeper going on here. The word sin, or to sin, is to, literally means, to miss the mark. Okay? It's Jesus, like, so when we think of the word sinner, sinner means not just what we think, oh, morally corrupt. No, no. Sinner also means missing the mark. So Jesus is saying this. I think it's actually comical. He says, let me just tell you, if you just love people who love you, you shouldn't get any credit because I'll tell you what, people who continually miss the mark get this right. So whoop-de-doo, bro, it's not a big deal if you love people who are loving. You have to take your love and be known for it because you, you are not to be known for loving each other in a way that's, that, that, that's, that's in, a, in a sense dangerous, that's in a sense like um, uh, being talked about. Because that's how people are going to know that you are known, that you're my disciples. You have to be known for that. And here's the deal. People had an issue. People had an issue with Jesus. Because when him being known for love meant, he was going to go and hang out with them. And do you remember? They would always criticize who he was hanging out with. Like, they would say stuff like this. They would basically be like, do you know? Like, do you know who she's been, do you know about this guy? Do you know who you're hanging out with? Do you know what they're known for? And I can't help but Jesus think or say, yeah, but what are you known for? Like, I know what, the question is not what they are known for, the sin they're known for. No, what will you be known for? And so what is he saying here? He's saying, I need you to be known for love. That's how people will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. 1 Corinthians, man, have you read this? 1 Corinthians 13? No. Uh, What I mean, have you read this, as in not read this sitting at a wedding ceremony, hoping it ends. No, 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 that, no, no. Have you just read this by yourself and kind of thought about this? Here's what I'm saying. It says here, it says, "If if I speak all the languages of earth and angels and didn't love others, I would... Only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could under, understand, and, then, and, if I could under, and if I understood all the great of God's mysteries, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such great, such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave, my, if I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I c- could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I mean, look what he's saying. He's saying, you imagine the ability to speak every language out there, not just in the heavens, but also spiritual beings. Imagine that. I know, it's out there. I mean, you can barely speak one language. I get that. I mean, I can barely speak whatever languages, okay? I can barely read. We all know that. But just imagine, if I could speak all of these. He says, it doesn't matter because you're not going to connect with others and communicate with them if you don't do it in love. He said, what you're going to sound like is a gong and a symbol that people just want you to stop talking. He says... You could have a mind that possesses and understands all kinds of things, but guess what? It doesn't matter. All your accomplishments of all these things, all this knowledge, you're not going to actually be able to do any good thing and even understand other people if you don't really love because without love you're not going to be able to understand what they're really truly going through. Have you ever talked to someone and they're talking over you and you're like you don't even you don't even know what I'm going through bro. What are you saying to me? You're saying all these things. That's what he's saying he's then he says hey if you if I had faith I could do if you if I sacrifice my body but if I, all these activities, all these things that are so significant, it doesn't matter. There's no significance to all of those things if you don't love. If you don't love. Because love is the dangerous thing. It really, truly is. I was talking to a guy just recently, a um, pastor from India. And just, uh, just trying to figure, you know, just being there for our global church, right? And uh, talking to him, and he said, you know, hey, let me just say something to you. And he said, I feel like I can say this to you, and I feel like, um, I feel like you'd be a good guy to kind of talk to about this. I feel like I can say this and share this with you. And I'm like leaning into like, you know, I'm talking on WhatsApp from India, you know, to India. And he was like, he said, uh, he said, transgender. Like, that's the first thing I heard. He was like, I was like, okay. And he said, I've been reaching out to transgender people, and uh, I've been reaching out to sex workers, and they're coming to faith in Jesus. And it's been amazing. Um, But it's just so complicated. It's complicated because I can never share this with the pastors that are around me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, why? And he said, because they'll judge me. I'm like, what? They're like, Yeah, yeah, I can't do this. I, in fact, can't even talk to certain people about the kind of people that we are loving and bringing into the kingdom because I would lose financial support. And it blew my mind. Now, not that I've never heard this before. I've heard this before. But I'm like, I'm so, like, shocked by that, that even now, even now, there are Christian organizations that will stop funding people because they are saying, "I don't want you, and we don't want you to love those kinds of people." Like, because throughout history, in every social s- structure, there's always those kinds of people. They're those kinds of Christians, and he's talking about like, "Hey, this is complicated for me. What do I do?" He said, "Because the the sex workers, like, they have to make a living, and they're in really drier. Uh, they they're, they're in." they're in terrible situations and and they come to Jesus and but then they have to service their clients. I mean, we're having a very raw conversation and that's why I'm having a conversation with you because friends, you should never let anyone stop you from loving a group of people. And I told him I said, "Bro, you can talk to me all day long and I support you. Listen, listen to me." I said, "This is this is the movement of Jesus. This is you have to be known for, by this because if you're if they're if you're if you don't show them love, then who will, my friend? Who will? So I hope I encourage them, because that's what it's about, friends. The, Paul keeps on talking. What does he say? He said, "Love, love will last forever. Will love for uh, forever? See, the way you love people sets them up for eternity. It sets them up for eternity." So all these other things that we think about, all kinds of like lifestyles and gender and who we are and and male, female and what we do and what we wear. Now all these are going to go away. You're going to live forever. Let's set people up for eternity. And he says this, let's love people into eternity because guess what's going to last forever? Love. Yes, love. And then he keeps on going. He says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will will become, become useless. He's saying, in light of eternity, all these things, these other things are useless. And then he says this. I love it. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, when I grew up, I put away childish things. You know why I love this? Here's what he's saying. He's saying love, real love, like real love, like love that is like risky, like love like that gets you into trouble, like, like, lo- loving pe- like loving those people, whoever those people are in your context, love that kind of love, love that sticks with you, the love that doesn't give up, love that always continues, love like he listed earlier in the chapter. He said love, that kind of love, it's only for grown-ups. Because liking a lot is for kids. But spiritually mature people love. They love. And they're known for it. And then he says this. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I don't know about you guys, I want to be known for something, and I want our church to be known for love. Risking all to love the other. That's what we want to be. And then we want to be a voice of hope. We want to be a voice of hope. Now last year, last year, I don't know if you know this, but I dressed up as the Easter bunny. Yes, I did. I dressed up as the Easter bunny. I, want, I think probably that's why the, like, the bunny of Easter, Easter past is haunting me right now. I think that's what's happening, but I really did. I, I dressed up as the Easter Bunny. Actually, uh, my son and I did, and we got our neighbors involved, and he had this guy had a Jeep, and we decided on Easter Sunday because we were quarantined. And nobody was meeting. We just wanted to spread some joy in our neighborhood. So we dressed up as Easter bunnies, and we jumped on in a, in a Jeep, and we went around the neighborhood just, you know, spreading joy and all that. And we'd get out of the Jeep and, and, you know, interact with the kids. And so I was, like, interacting with the kids. I had a bunny suit on, you know, obviously. I'm interacting, and I'm having a great time. And suddenly, my, uh, Ashley comes up to me really close, and she goes, Stop talking. And I'm like, What? She said, Stop talking. Be quiet the bunny does not have a voice. The bunny doesn't talk. And I'm like, what? I thought she was kidding. Now, again, for those of you who are like, of course, Naeem, before you judge me, I grew up in the Middle East. I I am still trying to figure out what the bunny and eggs have to do with Easter. I still don't know, okay? I'm sure it's pagan, and we're okay with that, but whatever. So she says, you can't talk. And I'm like, what? Because what I was doing, (laughs) I was pretty much being Santa- in a bunny suit. That's what I was doing. I'm like, hey kids, what do you guys want for uh, Easter? I probably should have gotten the hint when they were like, kind of like stunned. But I was like, just thought I, my energy was overwhelming. I don't know. But she was like, stop talking, stop talking. You know, what's really funny about that is I did stop talking. I still I thought she was kidding, but I realized it's, tr- it's true. The bunny doesn't talk, apparently. You know what's interesting about that whole thing? I feel like, I think, I feel like the church thinks that it's the bunny too. Like it just needs to be cute and not say anything. Like, I don't think we realize that the Easter message is the opposite of the Easter bunny. The Easter message says that we are the voice of God. Like we are called to not be cute and to stand there. No, we are actually. Supposed to preach a message. And when I mean preach, I mean we live out. I mean talk. We have, we have to use our voice. And not just voice, I mean use our support. We have to, we have to do that. We don't stand and, see and be cute. That is not our thing, our calling. And as Mosaic, we have to be a voice of hope. Realizing, realizing that we have the power, realizing and understanding the power of our, of, of our influence. We have influence. We do. We've been. We've been given a message. We've been given a voice. We have something to say. And if you're wondering, what do you mean by that? Let me just read to you. Second Corinthians. Paul lays it out. He says this: For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. He said, he, "This was God's." the uh, subversive, in a sense, plan. He was in Christ. Like, God smuggled himself in Christ in, uh, to rescue humanity. That's pretty much what he's saying here. And then he's saying, because what the deal was, he was not counting any people's sin against him. That was his deal. He was going to remove us from this this idea of counting sins and out of judgment. And, and, then he says, and, 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 hello, listen up, listen up, everybody, all the bunnies, listen up. And he gave us, He gave us, you and me, us, this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his plea through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Friends, we have to be a voice of hope. We have to we are called to be the loudest voice of hope and if you think man yeah but i can't do anything i don't have a platform i don't have a mic i don't i what do i do no no, no. what that means is you speak if you can you share if you can you do right if you can you engage if you can you write right if you can you support if you can Regardless, all of those things, friends, we have to be the loudest right now because other voices are being so loud. And we have to be the loudest voice of hope. And if you feel discouraged, you're like, name, name, name. It's just, just, it's just me. No, no, it's not just me and it's not just us because I get into it. I think of our church and I go, we're just this one church and we don't know. But when I realize that what God is calling us, and when he says us, he's not just meaning us. He's asking us to join. Check this out. He's joined the choir of voices of hope because there is, a, there is a choir of voices speaking out the name and the message of Jesus. And we're called to just give our voices to the choir so we can be the loudest, most beautiful choir of hope. That's what he's calling us to do. You see, you are not alone in your spirituality. We, as a church, are not alone in our spirituality. We are part of a bigger movement that's going on. And so I want to say, let's reclaim the message and movement of Jesus and let's do this, though, as we come together as a church, let's corporately commit to live, to, to live out our faith, to live by faith, to, to be known for nothing else but to live, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Because, friends, I'll tell you what, if we don't live by faith, we're going to succumb to fear. We're going to end up living in fear. If we don't, if we're not known by love, we are going to be known by prejudice. And when I, why, why I come to that is because we're going to be known for pre-judging. How, what if we were known for pre-loving? Is that a thing? That's what Jesus is talking about, right? So we have to be known by love. And then let's be a voice of hope. Because if we are not the voice of hope, then there's a voice of condemnation that's so loud right now. A voice of hopelessness, a voice of division that's going on. We have to be the loudest voices of hope. All of these things hang in the balance. And so friends, let's do this together. I don't want to do this without you. And we are not going to grow spiritually together if we don't commit to these. So let's commit to be a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for what you've allowed us to see. You've allowed us to see the future. You've allowed us to see it in such a way that we can actually begin to create it. And what you're calling us to do is you're calling us, Father, you're calling us to be a diverse community that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. You are calling us to those things. And so God, I pray that you would do what you need to do in our hearts, in our minds, to move us to that point. Father, I pray that that as we come together, God, we are not perfect by any means, but we come wanting to be used by you. God for some of us we have to reclaim our story about what it means to be a follower of Jesus but also for some of us we need to reclaim what it means to be part of a church because we have church hurt, we have, we've been walking with this movement of Jesus and we 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 just don't know because the people of Jesus have, have betrayed us, maybe even left us in the dust, maybe even condemned us. Father I pray right now that as we move forward as a church that, God, the people would come back, that people would come back and find themselves in a community that is loving, a community that does these three things, that focuses on three things and those three things alone, because those three things live and will last forever. I pray they do that. I pray you give us the power to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.